All right. Welcome back, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, to Sound Up Seattle, your one-stop shop for everything Washington sports. I am your primary host, John Kerry, and joined, as always, by my apprentice-slash-protege, <laughs> Tyler Cartwright. Um, we are here today to really dive into the upcoming draft um, discussion with the NHL, and then we've also got a little, little, little segment about how the expansion draft could look with the NBA draft coming up in a couple days. Supersonics. Supersonics could be coming in soon. Maybe, maybe. We've been <laughs> promising this preview for something like six months. So. We still haven't even done the NFL one. That we <laughs> <laughs> one thing at a time. Um, but yeah, so we'll do that. We'll get get a little bit of Kraken draft discussion in there. And then we'll, uh, we'll probably finish up with some Mariners. And uh, yeah, just get into it. But before we begin, our friends, Kylie Pickett. start this discussion with a little Seattle Kraken because it's been it's been yeah too long without some squid talk and, <laughs> and I'm getting getting itchy uh, so the NHL draft is coming up it's right around the corner uh, I believe what did you say it was the 28th the 28th it is next Wednesday we're recording this for transparency's sake we're recording this on uh, Tuesday night uh, June 20th yep so eight days away for us it'll be the 28th at 4 p.m. A brief overview of the draft. We have the number 20 overall pick uh, in the first round, and then three second round picks, thanks to the uh, Maple Leaves and another team (laughs) that (laughs) looks kind of like the Maple Leaves. Um, But that'll be pick 50, 52, and 57 um, before getting, you know, a third, fourth, fifth, two sixths, and a seventh round pick. We're going to focus on the first four. Uh, in terms of talking about prospects, because those are the three that would relate to the ESPN top 60 prospect <laughs> list that we're going to use as the basis for this comparison. So, four upcoming picks in the draft. What does Seattle need? Yeah, John, can you tell me who we're losing? Who are the who are the free agents um, after that season? Who did we who do we got leaving the team? Uh, ho- and hopefully not leaving. You know, potentially yes, returning, yes. but. Uh, yeah, so Wenberg, Alexander Wenberg, is our second-string center behind Yanni Gord, and he is an unrestricted free agent this year. Um, our, and then uh, Matthew Beniers, our lovely rookie that we love so much, is a restricted free agent. Oh, okay. Um, obviously, we are going to bring him back, so we don't even really have to think about that. But our left wing, uh, Burakovsky, Schwartz, and McCann, are all locked up through 2025. Uh, so we don't necessarily need a lot of help there. And our right wing, Jordan Eberle, is an unrestricted free agent. And uh, Tolovin's a restricted free agent. We only have Bjorkstrand under contract right now. So right wing will be a need. Center uh, will potentially be a need. Um, and then defensemen, we're losing Schultz and Megna to free agency. Hopefully we can bring them back. Um, but defense may also be a need. Uh, our only goaltender under contract as of right now is Grubauer. We have him locked up through 27. After that, you know, showing he had in the Stanley Cup, uh, we're feeling pretty good 
about our starting uh, goaltending position. Doesn't mean we wouldn't necessarily want to bring in somebody young that can be developed, but I would say going into this draft, we'll be looking particularly at center, right wing, defenseman, uh, and particularly right wing if Eberly is down because he is our starting right wing. He's our one of our best players. Was consistently one of our best player during uh, during the playoffs. So yeah, if we can't bring him back, we will have need. Yeah, um, I think one thing to note is that Beniers will probably fill that second center role. Yeah, um, as long as we you know keep him on the team, which it sounds like we're definitely going to. If we lose Matt Beniers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he'll probably fill that second center role. And yeah, and so in terms of priority, it's obviously that starting right wing. Um, I don't know that we would have a rookie come in to, you know, fill that spot. So we might need to make a signing or something along those lines mm-hmm. and maybe pick one, pick a, uh, bring Everly back. I think he's pretty that's, happy. That's, that would be nice. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of where things fall, I don't know if goalkeepers in hockey are like kickers in football where you take them in like round 10. Um, <laughs> goalkeepers I do not think that is the case I think it is far more crucial than a, than a kicker in football um, but there you know I feel like there's there's a lot of goalies to go around um, you can you could steal a third string goalie from another team yeah. who's, a, who's a new free agent absolutely yeah if, if, if you're not trying to replace Grubauer as your as your main guy you're right it's probably as we know that we only have one under contract right now so it's obviously not a huge need to fill the reserves um and that's, you know, that's talking about free agency. In terms yeah. of actual team need, we've talked before about the need for uh, more offensive punch at the top of our lines. Um, that would probably need to be solved in free agency. Yep. So, you know, talented rookies do come in. Um, and then more consistency for our defense, particularly in that series against Dallas. We were really seeing Grubauer have to fight the entire fight by himself. So the fact that Schultz, I really like Schultz. Um, he he was a really solid defensive player and a good offensive defensive player. Yep. Um, so I would hate to see him go, but uh, if we could maybe bring in some uh, more talent on defense, I would not be horrified. Um, so like I said, we got picks in the 20s and 50s. Currently, you know, the 19 through 21 uh, projected prospects list is Etienne Morin um, from Moncton. Oliver Bonk from London and Riley Hydet from Prince George. Um, Are these Englishmen? <laughs> it's so hard to tell, man. From Moncton, and then it says parentheses QMJHL, <laughs> which as we all know, is that like the NBA G League? <laughs> we all know what that acronym means. Um, but yeah, so uh, Morin's a defenseman who shoots left-handed. Um, he was pretty good in 22-23, 67 games played, 21 goals, 51 assists, uh, 72 total points. Um, and then Oliver Bunk, defenseman, uh, similar stats, 67 games, 10 goals, 30 assists, 40 points, uh, but maybe a more solid defender. And uh, Riley Heiditz, a center from Prince George, which isn't necessarily what we need. So it looks like maybe Morin or Bonk help on defense. We were talking about that. If we got a couple guys to slip, it looks like there's some other talented uh, defensemen around Yeah, it sounds the range. like, based on what you're saying, it sounds like we've got uh, got our defenseman coming up as our 20th pick. I would like that very much. 18, 19, 20 projected prospects are all defensemen. So I would not be upset if, if one of those slid our way. And then in the 50s, where's the talent looking in the 50s? 
we apologize. We don't know many of these names. We just got into professional hockey. We're we're not completely up to date on our on our amateur uh, hockey. Amateur <laughs> hockey, but uh, we've got a left wing Ethan Miedma at fifty, followed by Easton Cohen, a right wing Gavin McCarthy, a defenseman Tanner Ludke, a center Luca Pinelli, a center. Luca Pinelli's a good hockey name. That's a great, you know, Andy. Andy's from Ottawa. Andy's. I don't le- think you could go wrong with a Canadian guy. He's a southpaw, <laughs> a, a, a Canadian southpaw named Luca Pinelli. <laughs> Can we just let's pencil that one in? Let's get him on the team. He had sixty-three points in the last year. That's that's solid. I'm, I was trying to see. I'm just looking. They do not seem to have very many goalkeepers. Listed on these pro on this prospect list. That's I what I'm saying. That... I don't. I don't think goalkeepers are like the talent necessarily. Like yeah. you're not. You're, you know. You're not going to take a goalkeeper in the top five. I Why like. not? I don't. I don't understand that. After watching what Grubauer and some of the other guys were doing, that's a that's a good discussion point. That you know we're not as well versed in hockey, so I don't know that we have the the chops to deal with that right now. But it might we be have never we let that talk. stop us before. <laughs> we can t- we can talk about it, John, if you would like. <laughs> I wonder if just the nature of goalkeeping and the nature of college hockey it makes it harder to identify really talented goalkeepers maybe they have to kind of develop into it more because i'm looking at this list and you know maybe this prospect list is excluding goalkeepers because there's i'm literally not seeing a single one listed um anyway it looks like in the 50s range there's a real assortment of uh positions we could take whatever looks best and in the early 20s it looks like a load of defensemen sitting around that length. So maybe we go defenseman right wing and and shore up uh, some needs on both sides. Yeah, I'm curious. You've got this pulled up. Can you tell me just like, give me kind of the vibe of the top five picks just to kind of see, you know, what happens? Who are the top prospects? Where are they giving these, these grades to? Absolutely. So Connor Bedard is the number one current prospect. He's a center out of Regina or WHL as... <laughs> Oh, I guess maybe some of these are divisions because Adam Fantanelli is out of the Big Ten. Uh, so maybe okay. the QHWL is it, a it might be some Canadian like, league. league yeah. the, uh, but anyway, so Bedard's the first one. He's a center out of Regina. In 2022-2023, he had 71 goals and 72 assists for 143 total points. Um, so he's quite the stud. I've, I've heard about him, and I've heard that uh, he kind of stands out. It's a one man. It's kind of, kind of like the NBA draft. He's he's probably doesn't have the NHL equivalent of Wembenyama hype, uh, but a similar obvious number one followed by everyone else. I don't think any NHL player will ever have the hype of Wembenyama right now. He just threw out the first pitch for the Yankees game. You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, the, the game today was the, the Yankees-Mariners, and he threw out the first pitch. Why? He's going to San Antonio. He's also French. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's legendary. Um, and then Adam Fantanelli is another center. Looks like centers and right wings are the top five. I'm not sure if that's circumstance or if centers are maybe the most important position. That does sound sound pretty pretty right. You know, I mean, Matty Beneers is a center. A center. Also, He's also going to win Rookie of the Year probably. You know, correct. like you know, the most impact comes from those kinds of positions where you can score and distribute the the puck. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah, that's good to note. That's probably why goalkeepers are not as high on the list. Yep. And then Adam Fantanelli's two. He's a center out of Michigan. William Smith is three, a center out of the USA under 18 camp. Matthew Wood is a right wing out of UConn. And Ryan Leonard is a right wing out of the USA under 18. So 
Uh, all young guys. Fantanelli it looks like the oldest at 19. The rest are 18. Those young guys in hockey, I feel like, are, you know, their bones are not as brittle. <laughs> <laughs> They're just as brittle. They just heal faster. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of the top of the draft. And, yeah, for the record, points scored by those guys are 143, 65, 104, 34. How does somebody have 34 points and make it to the top five in prospects? And 76 for, for number five. Wow. Matthew Wood. I don't know what's special about this kid. Is he just super young? Is that the under-18 guy? Because uh, it could be like the total number of games played um, if they're not they're all in the same league. I guess. He, he only played 35 games. That's part yeah. of it. But he's. I guess he's... <laughs> maybe it has something to do with him being 6'3 and a half and nobody else being taller than 6 foot. Just a he, big body. Yeah, he is 6'3 and a half, 193, which... Is ironically, that's my exact measurement. I'm 6'3 and a half, 193, and I'm sure we have very similar body types. So I understand why he has such great value. Now, never mind. It makes sense. <laughs> is that you standing with your hands up in the air? <laughs> <laughs> it's me in my tallest heels. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so that's kind of a breakdown of what we're looking at going into the draft, what our needs are, where those positions might fall. Um, do you have any, any other thoughts? Yeah, just just want to say, you know, obviously we're coming into this with not a ton of experience when it comes to the NHL draft. Like it's not it's not like we know what the other teams are, are needing, what who the other big unrestricted free agents are, things of like that. Yes. So we don't know who's available, who we might pick up, you know, we might pick up a right wing and we won't need to pick one in the draft kind of sure, thing. Sure. Um we will likely react more um once the picks happen. But we just wanted to give you kind of a Because we a can feel talk about it. the players, not just our yeah. understanding. Yeah, I I agree with you. And you know, as with any sport, I'm sure hockey is the same, that you're not necessarily drafting players for immediate need. It's probably more of a who do you think has the best chance of popping. That's why the 6'3 guy is so high up. <laughs> yeah, hopefully if he wanders down to 20 somehow, we'd be happy to happy to relieve him of his free agency. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 16 minutes on a sport we know remarkably little about. Shows how talented we are. We're so good at this. Oh my god, <laughs> darn we're darn we're good. Um. Okay. Next up, let's just dive right in. No breaks. Uh, NBA draft expansion. How would that work? What would happen? Uh, First, dude, well, I guess. Do you want to talk a, about the NBA draft a little bit before it happens on what Friday? What a dry, dry introduction to the one of the funnest topics we're going to have in several years. The Supersonics. It's happening, people. <laughs> Wake up. Get out of bed. Get get out from under that rock. The Supersonics are going to return to Seattle. And it might not be the Supersonics, but a basketball team will return to oh, Seattle. Oh, if they try to change their name to anything, there's going to be riots in the streets. <laughs> um, but no, it's super exciting. Do you want to talk at all about the draft upcoming? Real, real quick, we could just, you know, we talked about Wembenyama. We, do we think anything's going to go crazy with Scoot and Brandon Miller? Uh, yeah, Wembenyama is very good at basketball. Um, trust me. Trust me on this one, people. If you have doubts about Wimbyama, go ahead and uh, go ahead and put those ones to bed. San Antonio Spurs fans, I hate you. I hated you before, and I hate you more now. Hey, that's me. <laughs> you are not a Spurs fan. Yeah, I am. I literally told you that earlier when we recorded this podcast. You know, podcast episode ten. This guy has deep connections to the state of Texas. <laughs> um. Anyway, very good. I'm not sure there's a ton to say about him. He looks like he's going to be a monster. There doesn't appear to be anything he's incapable of doing. Um, omnipotent, I believe, is is what that's called. 
Um, and hopefully he stays healthy. And actually, if he goes to the Spurs, I hope he tears everything in his wow. hands. Wow, wow. Settle down, John. I hope he gets caught in, in one of those uh, combines that farms down there. <laughs> you could cut him in half and he'd still be like four feet tall. He'd be fine. That's that's crazy. Um, okay. Uh, Scoot's probably going to go number two to Charlotte. Um, yes. Yeah, so is, is it Portland has the third pick? Correct. And there was, yeah, all, a lot of talk about, will Scoot go to Charlotte? They already have LaMelo. Will he go to Portland? They already have Dame. Um, his odds to go number two have changed dramatically in the last 24 hours. He's basically down to like minus 360 to go number two overall. Before it was like minus 180. So um, a lot of people are seeming to all come to the conclusion that he's going to go number two to Charlotte. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with yeah. that analysis. And he should be he should be good right away. I think he's one of those guys that's going to like come um, in and be ready to go. He's going to be awesome. He's so athletic. I hear he's got the work ethic of a, of a monster. Um, we call that the anti-Zion Williamson. <laughs> Both are athletic, but one has a work ethic. Um and yeah, Charlotte will be lucky to have him for the next four years until he reaches free agency and gets the hell out of Charlotte. <laughs> um, yeah, and then obviously with Scoot and Victor Wimanyama going one and two, we think Brandon Miller, who's the other highly touted prospect in the NBA, gonna gonna go three to two. Whoever ends up with a third pick, I don't know that Portland's gonna gonna take it. You know, agreed. There's a lot of talk about that now. Damian Lillard's pushing hard on Twitter to get. Portland to trade that number three pick to bring in Zion or potentially some other talent. Um, that would be interesting. Um, but then the problem is if they traded Zion to uh, the Blazers to get Brandon Miller at three to put him next. I guess you could technically play him. He's basically just at the, Brandon Ingram light. <laughs> yeah, you could put him at the two next to Ingram, but he's kind of oversized for the position. Yeah, Miller's um, also like a lot of development needs to happen. I think he's pretty, pretty raw. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's what they need. I think, I think Portland will keep the pick and he'll get drafted there. He can slide into the two next to Dame and uh, Jeremy Grant. That might actually work well. Or you could push Jeremy to the four and play him at the three if you wanted to go small. So I actually think he fits Portland well. He just doesn't fit Damian Lillard's timeline. Which is why it's uh, it's time to trade Damian Lillard. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of it. I honestly don't know that Portland will end up with the third pick and not have Dame, or they'll have Dame and not the third pick. But I think it's one of those things that's going to happen. They'll, um, and you know, they'll probably end up with both because... That, <laughs> they're that so is, indecisive. Because that is like an unhealthy relationship <laughs> that is very codependent. Neither Portland nor Dame knows how to exist without the other. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'll probably be both. So yeah, that's looking like what the top three will be. Things get more interesting after that, but... Uh, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Who, who cares? Well, what we care about is happening in 2024. Exactly. Do Yeah, do you have some thoughts on that? I Fill me in. So Adam Silver was saying, I think he had, a, he had an interview where just like got a, got a quick talk um, with a reporter. But he was saying that expansion wouldn't, wouldn't happen until at least 2024, which it sounds like they're pretty open to the, to the idea of expansion happening. Um, and I think we'll have a podcast later discussing kind of all of the things that we've heard about the Sonics coming back and what that could mean. Um, but that's just kind of baseline. It sounds like 2024 is, uh, the time when Seattle could get its own NBA team back. Yes. And so obviously, um, that can sound confusing because the 2024 NBA season is next year. There will not be a Seattle Supersonics in this next season. Yes. The idea is that it would be the following season. Potentially before the draft, because 
the draft may be a part of what that would look like. Um, but that is when the earliest the expansion could happen. And things are looking really good. As we said, it's pretty locked in what's going to happen. They're going to add two teams, one in Seattle, one in Las Vegas. Uh, they will conduct some type of expansion. We're going to discuss a little bit about what that may look like based on what the NBA has done in the past, as well as what the NHL just went through. But uh, in the next two, three years, there is very, very, very likely going to be a team uh, repping the repping the golden green. <laughs> and if they're not, I'm going to freak out. They have to bring everything back, just how it was. Just how it was. Put everything back the way you left it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put that back where you found it, or so help me. Um, so let's get into how the expansion draft would work. Um, first, a little history. The most recent expansion draft occurred in 2004 when uh, Charlotte joined the NBA, or yeah, the NBA, um, as the 30th team. Um, so there were 29 teams? It sounds like it, based on, I, I think it was only for a few years. But Okay, so they probably did one, and then, I guess that's just what the NHL just did. They yeah. had Golden Knights for a year or two, and then just brought in the Kraken. So. Exactly. Um, so... What I'm going to do is just talk about kind of the rules from that expansion draft. We might talk about how those could could change um, from you know how it was to how it is now um, in terms of NBA basketball and how it's played, what what that could mean. Um, and then I'll talk about the NHL expansion draft because um, that's been the most recent expansion draft that's happened in in major sports besides the MLS. I think the MLS actually had one in 2022. But we're talking um, about sports, so <laughs> Jesus. Um, so we'll give you that and uh, just kind of talk about how the NBA could maybe adapt that. Um, any questions before we get started, John? I'm scared and excited. Please. Also, I do just want to say, Charlotte ended up with Gerald Wallace in, in the expansion draft. Like, they somehow got Gerald Wallace from, I think it was the Pistons or something, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, a talented player. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit, too, about yeah, how those protections might work. Uh, so did you were you able to find some stuff on, uh, do you want to talk... NBA or NHL example first? Yeah, let's go NBA. So the way that it worked in 2004 is each team was able to protect up to eight players on their roster. Um, Detroit did not like Gerald Wallace. <laughs> well, and obviously teams that have a guy who's making a ton of money, who like like the Wizards perhaps, um, who have $50 million paid by the Beal, might not want to protect him and somebody could somebody else could take him off their hands for free. And they're like, please, if you want him, yeah. Zion, you want Zion? <laughs> Please. Um, but yeah, teams can protect up to eight players on their roster if they have more. If they have eight or less players, they have to make at least one available. Mm. Um, an expansion team can select a minimum of 14 players from, they have to be from different teams, so you can't select two players from the same team. Um, and I think it's a maximum of like 29 or 30. I guess it was 29 back, back when they did this. It'd probably be 30 now. Goodness um, gracious. What a I mean, you just make cuts. Like it's that kind oh, of thing. I guess maybe they also create automatically like a G League affiliate to go with the team or something. And like thirty is a lot. Well, that means you're cutting half the team. I think what it really is is like you pick your thirty guys and then you're like, Okay, how do how do these people gel together at all? We just picked them randomly from a bunch okay. of different spots. So I think it's about like figuring out the who rest fits would become free and then agents. it's just like DFA people and stuff like that. I see. Because I was going to say, it really sucked to get pulled from a team that you played on, get cut from the <laughs> team that pulled you and then be SOL for the rest of the year. Yeah. I think um, what 
another thing that has to happen is when you pick a player, they have to be on the roster for the entirety of that, or not on the roster, but like they can't become a free agent after you pick them. So of course, because it would yeah, it would happen and then immediately you lose that player, which is like why would why yeah. would you do that? They're, they're already but you a free can't agent. Do just it. sign. <laughs> you can't do it. So that is uh, something to note. Okay, so something about that that is tough. If teams are protecting eight players, that leaves you the dregs. Yes, um, there are a couple teams that are deep enough to surrender any level of talent after going eight deep. The Clippers being one that comes to mind. Oklahoma City being stuffed with young talent is another. But uh, not a lot of teams are going eight deep uh, with any sort of real value. So I think we both agree that's probably not li- not super likely. There's got to be some level of, of I think what it is, is it's, it's tough because you have... You know, teams, I feel like uh, teams that are deep, like the Thunder, I feel like the Nuggets are pretty deep, but you have teams that play eight guys, and they're obviously going to want to protect those players. And then after that, it's just guys who don't play, things like that. Um, And usually it's either really old guys or really young guys who don't have the experience and things like that. Yeah, and even like Jonathan Kaminga is a young guy that doesn't play a lot. He's still a top eight warrior because eight's a big number. Yeah. Typical NBA teams run eight as like a maximum. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Tight playoff rosters are like <laughs> six. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think we're, we're in agreement that maybe dropping that down to seven would be how they would do it now. Yes. Um, Another thing I potentially... Seven still. I'd drop it down to five maybe. Protect your starters. Your bench guys are up for grabs. Um, another thing that's possible, and I think this... I believe this happened in the NHL. Uh, when the Golden Knights, they may have uh, altered it slightly for the Kraken, but when the Golden Knights were introduced, they were also given preferential treatment in regard to free agents. I believe that means that the deals they offered those free agents, like they could offer them something like 10% more than other teams, and it wouldn't count against the cap because they were trying to... Because that's a clean way without taking players from teams, but also getting a channel of talent to one specific team is to basically be like, hey, do you want the free agent class this year? <laughs> um, so I would not be surprised if there's something like that as well, and particularly with all this apron stuff going on in the NBA where there are all sorts of restrictions on salary. Allow the Supersonics, pending, <laughs> to uh, have priority towards the free agent class, be able to offer them more uh, without accounting against the cap so they can put together a good team. Yeah, I think... So that's that's kind of what happened with the Kraken. They had an, that, like I was saying before the pod, they had an exclusive window to talk to free agents and sign them before oh, that's other teams could. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I like that a lot. Uh, the problem is, and it's kind of crazy. The the draft for the NBA is you know this Friday, I think, and the finals was what was it a week ago? A two week weeks ago? ago? Yeah. yeah. So. You it's know, there's not a ton window. of time to talk to talk to those players and get them signed. Uh, plus, um, the the NBA, man, so much collusion. Yeah. Everybody knows what everyone is going to get offered yeah. before it happens. We already know what San Antonio is going to offer Austin Reeves. You know, like we already know the Lakers are planning on matching it. All this stuff comes out, so I'm not sure the exclusive window matters quite as much. But we will see. Also, maybe they just want to play in Seattle. We've got good coffee out here, <laughs> and people love basketball in Seattle. You know who would not want to play in Seattle is Zion because people would, have, people would hate Zion if he came here. We do not have nearly as many strip clubs as Atlanta, so <laughs> uh, 
not interested. He would um, like Portland, though, now that I think about it. Yeah, he would. Fun fact about Portland. I heard this from a friend who grew up in Portland, that they have the most strip clubs per capita in the United States. More than Atlanta, more than Houston. Um, so, for a small town, they really love to take their clothes off. Um, we're just going to move past that, like it wasn't even said. <laughs> I'm just saying, this Zion to Portland thing might work. Um, so, furthering that discussion of how the expansion draft teams get players, uh, they're given a draft pick in the upcoming draft, but it's not really clear how that's defined. So, the Hornets, when they came in, got the fourth pick. Uh, I believe the team before them got the seventh. So maybe it's based on just like the amount of sheer talent that's coming in in the draft. Like, you know, the expansion draft team this year would probably not get the first pick because, you know, it's a... Because San Antonio worked hard. They, you think you think it's easy getting that number one pick? Pop was working his ass off to get that pick. <laughs> um you know, maybe what's the lottery nowadays? Is is it like eight teams, ten teams? No, no, fourteen is the lottery. Is fourteen? Yeah, I feel like four, like taking pick fifteen would be a little low. So maybe they just go into the lottery with the same percentage as one of the teams. The lottery is all is all teams that don't make the playoffs. So oh, okay, sixteen do, fourteen don't. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I you know this is going to sound very self serving because we are hopefully having a team come in soon, but. It doesn't seem unreasonable to just give them the number one pick in the draft, particularly if you want to limit or if you want to maximize the protections of current rosters. Be like, okay, we're not going to take your players, but like, yeah, sorry, they're new. They're getting the number one pick. (laughs) Screw you, San Antonio. You guys have won titles before. You know who hasn't? This new team. Um, it's It's also a way to be like, yeah, yeah, we're not rewarding you for sucking. Like, sorry, you're getting the first pick bumped. Everyone's getting bumped down one. It's like, maybe maybe be better, and then <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. You know who's not complaining about getting bumped down? Denver, because they won the championship. <laughs> they'll, they'll get the 31st pick and be happy. I think that's... Uh... That's a that's an interesting point. It would it would definitely make the NBA like this upcoming year if the expansion draft were to happen. It would prevent tanking a lot if they were like, hey... Seattle and Vegas get the one and two picks. Yeah. Like then what would be super interesting is who gets the one and who gets the two. Yeah. That would be like, is it just 50-50 odds and they just pick one on live TV and everybody gets really upset? Vegas loves to gamble. Let's <laughs> roll for it. Um but yeah, so so a lot of different things that could happen with that, you know, draft pick coming in. Because usually you get, you know, you hop into the draft and you get a pick in each round and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's interesting. The number four overall pick to Charlotte, that, mm-hmm. that's significant there as well. That's yeah. a big number. Um, so another note that we wanted to talk about was the NHL expansion draft, what happened with the Kraken. So you were talking about like protections of players, and from what I was reading, the Kraken or the, the teams in the NHL expansion draft when the Kraken were expanded, the expanding team... Um, they did not have any like priority. They just picked. So there was two ways to to protect your players. You could pick, um, or you could protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or you could just def- protect uh, eight skaters and a goalie. And so there were two options. You did one or one or the other, and then the Kraken could come in and pick one player per team, and that was that was it. But the Kraken needed to pick fourteen forwards, like three goalies and six defensemen, or whatever it per- is. Perfect. Um, okay, so so significant protection there as well. Yeah, which um, I think may have been different than Vegas because I think we saw that Vegas, they came in and were immediately good, 
and I think immediately it, really good. Yeah, they and it, that might have been because of how they yeah. formed the expansion draft. I, I did hear, I was talking to uh, one of our buddies on a hike today, um, and he was telling me, we were talking about the Vegas expansion and how uh, Vegas took significant advantage of the way the expansion was set up to maximize like its free agent signings while also like it the protections were a little bit different, which was why they were so good coming out. They made the Stanley Cup and lost to the Capitals and then obviously won this year. So two Stanley Cup finals in four, four years. years. Yep. Um, so really good team. And, and I think the NHL was a little more careful with the Kraken expansion because, you know, it, you don't want to. And, you know, you wouldn't want the same thing with the Supersonics. You don't want to introduce this new team and let them immediately become the best team in the NBA. That's not not really good for the rest of the league. Yeah, you don't want to say, hey, NBA, you can protect two guys and then like label them in order of priority and then they can pick the third best player on a team. They could just take like Aaron Gordon off of the Nuggets. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, that was just the that first thing that popped in my head. a little more reasonable first, than some other ones. First thing that popped in my head. But like yeah. the third best player on an NBA team is very substantial. They could pick Kevin Durant, not Kevin Durant. They would not. The Suns would not protect Brad, Bradley Beal is, yeah, would... is not better than Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> but they could pick Bradley Beal if that were the case. That's true. And I think part of that conversation, too, is like, you're like, oh, hey, Aaron Gordon's not like an otherworldly player. You can find ways to replace him, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, for these teams, particularly the best teams, it's like, no, we've been building this roster to compete for a championship. And now you're just going to like pull one of our key pieces out because some new guys want to show up. So you're probably right. Uh, hearing that the NHL was heavily protected and knowing what the NBA did last time, it's probably fair to assume there will be serious protections, maybe a little more, you know, like we were saying, free agency benefits and maybe an increase in draft equity mm -hmm. to get up to speed faster. But maybe they will be like, no, pick from the dregs and you're going to suck and we're going to give you some advantages in terms of getting better quick, but not in, not in ways that immediately pull active talent off other teams so that is interesting and and it makes me sad but it is reasonable i would like i would like aaron gordon please please and thank you so i was looking at a list of like available free agents in the 2024 um i hear it's season. pretty it's it's nice <laughs> it's like um it's james harden not that Ugh. not that james harden's super nice but it's Pass. james harden clay thompson um i believe like I'm just, I, hope I was about to say it's better. I was, about to, I was about to say Kawhi, but I don't really want Kawhi either. This is the old man show. There's got to be some younger talent. Um, I'm I'm blanking on names right now. I, I remember Mo Bamba right now is like one of the guys I saw on that list. This is the all 2017 plus Mo Bamba team. <laughs> um, but there's there's a lot of good talent coming in the the free agent class of 2024. And maybe with the like hinted expansion, people won't want to sign, or the players won't want to sign extensions as much because it gives them an opportunity to go play somewhere else and be, a, you know, kind of rethink their career and remake their their role on a team. Yeah, I'm curious uh, how attractive Seattle as a market is going to be coming out of the gates. Obviously, we don't know a lot about what the ownership is going to look like yet, um, but Seattle as a market has typically been good. Um, allows an opportunity to step into a place where there are no prior attachments you could essentially come in and be the seattle guy immediately yeah if you were a big enough free agent and that interested you i'm not sure i'm not sure how many people it will interest but i know I'm, james harden would love it because he wouldn't have to win he would just be no stats up same with the zion problem man not <laughs> he's more of a portland guy more of a portland that's guy. true that's true <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't please James Harden. If you're listening, please do not come to Seattle <laughs> when we're up and running. I would really appreciate not having you on our team. Oh, you know who was another free agent? Demonis Sabonis. That would be a good one. Oh my God, I would love to have Sabonis back in Washington. That would don't don't say stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just set my heart up to be broken. I was remembering that it was the list was presented by contract. So Clay was number one, and then it was like James Harden and Kawhi and those people. I see the biggest um, contracts. Yeah, Clay. I would like Clay if he was ready to step into that next phase of his career where he's kind of 2008 Ray Allen. That's what I was gonna say. Not hooking up shots, but uh, man, dude, don't even don't even get me thinking about Sabonis. <laughs> I'm still convinced that Jokic is a poor man's Sabonis. <laughs> they got um, it all wrong. One thing that I wanted to ask you is, say say the NBA teams can protect seven players, who would be your first pick that you can like think of? Well, I as appreciate like, you dropping that on me. So yeah. I'll take every roster I know, subtract the top seven, yeah. and see who's best. My immediate thought was like, do you pick Peyton Pritchard from Boston? Like <laughs> yeah, Peyton, you know, Peyton Pritchard's a nice player. It's kind of hard to get excited about uh, the eighth best player on a team, uh, but there are there are teams that uh, would be more interesting than others. Let's see. I was thinking, so you probably want to think about deep teams. So let's for the Clippers, for example, uh, you could probably get somebody like Robert Covington around eight or Eric Gordon. Now, obviously, these guys are just going to be older with time. That's, But that would be like a good, like, I would feel like a Miami Heat type team where you, if you pick those kind of guys, you just get it by uh, sheer toughness. I would love to fill a team with those kinds of guys. And then, obviously, it'll it's going to be a little de-incentivizing for teams like... Uh, Teams like the uh, Thunder, because you know they have so many young players, it's going to be impossible to protect them all. Um, you could probably get like Uzming Jang there. Uh, I'm Josh, thinking about dude, Josh, not Josh Giddy, but there's uh, no way Josh Giddy. No, no, no. <laughs> but Lou Dort may be outside of the top seven for them quicker than you'd think. He might. If you have Josh Giddy, Shea, Chet, Trey Mann. Jalen uh, Williams. Jalen Williams. Whoever they draft this year, I guess, and then and then maybe Lou Dort. Dort. But then, yeah, Jared Butler's on the table. Usman Jang, uh, Isaiah Joe, Alex Polovsky. <laughs> Pol- po- oh, Pokewed. Po- Pokewski. Just is that Poku? S- sound it out, buddy. Is that who I've heard? <laughs> I think about that's Poku. Poku. Yeah. Okay. Well, Poku might be available if we wanted Poku. I'm thinking like the Heat. Maybe a Gabe Vincent who. You know, watching watching that series. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. I, for the record, Gabe Vincent is absolutely a top seven Heat player. But well, I mean, they'll but, have six more Gabe Vincents next year. Yeah, we can pick one of them. I would take all my picks from the Heat. I would just ask for the bottom of the Heat roster. It's like, can <laughs> the like, Heat only protect the top five, and we'll just take the rest, please? <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of some some discussion on how the expansion draft could look next year um, if the Sonics were to come into play. Uh, obviously, if that if you know if we get more confirmation, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Kind of analyze and you know put put some feelers out there. Try to hear how the how the draft is is shaping up in terms of the rules and things like that. And I'll call Silver. He's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So hopefully that was informative. We we figured since the draft's coming up, it's about that time. I feel informed. <laughs> um. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little Mariners. This episode is brought to you by Yankee Candles. Are you just a horrible, horrible baseball fan? Well, do we have the scent for you. 
Yankee Candles, bringing you all new DiMaggio Socks brand <laughs> candle. It smells as bad as New York on a hot day. All right, let's. That's, those are both gold. Those are those are good. Maybe we'll save the first one because you know once once we get paid for things, we should also throw that one in. You know? <laughs> Um, let's get into a little bit about the Mariners and their recent stretch games. Uh, last time we talked, I don't remember what had just happened. I think it was late last week. Um, but they were, they were coming in on, oh, it was their day off. It was Thursday and they were coming up against the Marlins and then they had a White Sox series at home. Um, over that six game stretch, the Mariners went four and two and took both series, uh, two to one, um, Everybody looked really good. I think the offense has started clicking a little bit. And, God, you know who continues to have a hot month is Teoscar. He struggled a little bit today, and obviously he still has those games where he strikes out, you know, two or three times. But he's he's getting into his groove. He's kind of a, you know, he's a streaky hitter. He's kind of like a rich man's Gino Suarez. Um, and so he'll, he'll have his times when he strikes out. But I've really been enjoying watching Teo get into form and, uh, you know, when he hits well, the team plays pretty well. So there is not much to complain about there. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, it's been a relatively encouraging stretch. Marlins are good. Nice to see that. That's a good series win there. And our offense has been looking, I shouldn't say too good. It looks, It's been looking good in our wins. We scored eight and nine in our two wins against the Marlins, and we scored five in one of our wins against the White Sox. Um but more importantly, our defense is being kept, you know, we've lost several of these games, but the max scored against us is four. We've given up one, three, four, two, four, one, three, uh, including three losses. So um, I'm sorry, I'm also including the Yankees game today yes. in, that, in that analysis. But so the pitching has been getting a little more under control. We're not seeing the schlackings that we were taking in early June that were so hard to explain. You know, four runs is easy to explain. It may not be a great start or it may not be a great close, but it's a good, solid baseball game. Yeah. Um, Nothing disastrous. Uh, The offense has been up and down, and I think that's why we haven't... You know, like you said, we went four and two in those two series and took them both, and we lost one game to the Mariners today. Or to the Mariners, to the Yankees. Yankee candles. Just got, <laughs> got you really in the Yankee mood, didn't it? <laughs> um, but the offense has been just kind of up and down over the stretch. I would say that's maybe more of a concern than the pitching. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think what it is is when the offense looks bad, it looks, looks pretty bad. They struck out 18 times against the White Sox um, against Lance Lynn the other day. I believe he had 16 strikeouts. Um, and... They actually won that game, which is crazy. But the fact that we're still striking out so much is definitely a problem. Um, what's crazy to me is I feel like the last few years we've been kind of in this, when we when we strike out a lot or have a really bad offensive game, it's off the like soft tossing guys who can throw you know a mix of stuff. Um, good sliders, good curveballs, things like that. But Lance Lynn throws just like three fastballs and a changeup. Like he's, <laughs> he's just, he was mixing it up on us and... Uh, yeah, I don't know why we had such a big issue, but we pulled out the win. Um, I've been I've been a little upset with 
the way that our young guys have been playing, specifically Cal. I don't know why, but I feel like there's just hasn't been much coming from him um, in terms of his offensive production. Like he hasn't, I feel like he hasn't hit a home run in the last little bit. Um, He's been losing weight. I'm, I'm really, I'm really disappointed. It's been frustrating, a frustrating stretch for Cal. <laughs> he obviously didn't understand where his power was being generated. <laughs> um, Jared is still kind of in the midst of a slump a little bit. He's just, you know, he's not hitting almost 300. He's down to like 250-ish. Yeah. Um, and our just, I think our team average is, is really low. And yeah. yeah, really low. The whole team. And yeah, and Julio has not, has not shown all-star caliber play yet this year. He's still a good player. We still love Julio. He hasn't been an all-star this He's year. not going to make the all-star team at this rate, yeah. Correct. Yeah, I would be surprised. If he does, it will be because that the game is in Seattle. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, kind of a kind of switching gears a little bit, looking just forward for the team. Um, uh, you know, our 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 resident frauds, the Rangers, have a stranglehold on the division, um, and I will never apologize, but I may have been wrong. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a rare occurrence for John to apologize. You guys should. Save that, clip it, do whatever you need to do. It is possible that my logistics guys made some mistakes. <laughs> um, uh, but so what that means for this team this year is that we have to go for a wild card. Now, it's been a disappointing year so far, and the encouraging thing is we're only four games out of the third wild card spot. So we are by no means dead in the water. What makes it so interesting this year in particular is that Currently, the Angels are holding on to the number two wild card spot at 41 and 33, and the Astros are on the outside looking in at the four, and they're at 40 and 34. Um, so, if we want to get into the top three, either all three <laughs> AL West teams have to secure the wild card, in which case the full division, minus the minor league athletics, <laughs> would have to make the playoff. Or we're going to have to jump one of those teams. Um, what of those two options do you think is more realistic? Because honestly, I think it may be more realistic that all three make it than we jump Houston or LA. Uh, great question. I think you have to think. Houston has been riddled with injuries. And they've kind of been plummeting their their recent like last ten. I think they're like two and eight or something like that. They haven't been playing well, Correct. which is how the uh, Angels jumped them. Um, and the Angels, you know, they're the Angels. They always find ways to lose. Obviously, honestly, of any of the teams that made the playoffs, if the Angels did it, I would be the least upset just because that would mean we experience Shohei and Mike Trout in the playoffs one more time, uh, or for the first time for Shohei, I think. Um, yeah, they are just just a quick note because you were very close. The Astros are four and ten over their last fourteen, mm. so struggling. Yeah, uh, so I think really what it comes down to is like capitalizing on games when we play them. I think we have upcoming series against the Angels and the Astros um, in the next in the next month or so. Uh, obviously, I feel like we've played the Rangers a decent amount, and if the if the Rangers continue this pace and they just prove to be a really good team. Uh, then I'm kind of okay with our how we've played against them so far. I think we're what one and five or two and four against them so far. Mm. Um, but if we can really start taking series from the Angels and the Astros, that would give us a really good opportunity to like 
just immediately jump back into the competition. You know, we won't yeah. jump ahead of them. But even to get close, even yeah. to close the gap, we're four games behind the Astros at this point and five or six behind the Angels. Um, another interesting note, because, yeah, you're right, we do have upcoming series of those that'll be interesting. We are currently in a series against the Yankees, which will be followed by a series against the Orioles. The number one and number three spot in the wild card currently are the yep. Orioles and the Yankees, respectively. Yep. So the the top four wild card spots are the next two teams we play and the two and three teams in our division. Um, this is an important stretch upcoming for the Mariners, just in terms of, you know, we've already talked about what should the expectations for the team be. And I think the next couple weeks are going to be very defining in terms of like what's even realistic. Because we have the Yankees, we have the Orioles, then we have the Nationals, which should be a win. Then we have the Rays, the Giants, the Astros. Um, it's a tough month. It's a tough month. And a tough month against teams that we need to be beating because they're the teams that are holding the spots that we need. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's indicative of you know how we would fare against higher-level opponents. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, come the end of July... Um, or even mid-July, really, maybe things will be clearer in terms of if we've pulled out a couple of those series and crept up, maybe be two or three games back of the wild card. Um, that'll be great, and that'll mean, okay, time to get excited and see where we can improve and root for the year. Yeah. And if mid-July comes around and we've lost all but one of those series and are now, you know, 11 games back from the wild card. Might be time to sell. Might be time to sell. And I think we might want to hold off on that podcast because if we sell, you know me and Tyler, we don't go halfway. So <laughs> if we have a sell podcast, you know, we're going to we're gonna print out garage sale signs. So um, The other thing is if we have a podcast that talks about selling the Mariners are going to buy because they do the opposite of whatever we tell them to do that is so true but you know I'd also kind of like to see them buy so uh there's a there's been a lot of talk about who the Mariners could try and trade for recently um do you have any thoughts about what kind of player they they should go for obviously we should go for a bat yeah Dan the Cruz please (laughs) please and thank you (laughs) the Reds are usually dumb so maybe we could talk them into it yeah, that's that's true. But the Reds actually have been pretty good this year. They have been. They have not been. They have had a great ten game stretch. Ah, that's what it is. They have won ten in a row and are now two games above five hundred. So gotcha. They were not having a good year, but they are on the best tear in the MLB so far this year. First ten game win streak. So mm-hmm. I think is that right? Or did um, somebody start the year on a really big win streak? Oh, the Rays. The Rays won yeah, like yeah. thirteen straight or okay. something like yeah, that. Okay. Second best of the year. Yeah. Um. And a big part of that, at least in terms of energy, has been De La Cruz. He's only batting like 275, and I think he only has one home run so far. That was a um, mammoth. <laughs> it was a, yes, it was a mammoth. And he's been a devil on the bags. The guy has, has speed speed. Um, I saw him go safe at first on... A line a, drive to first base. On a, just a routine out at first play that I'm not sure I've seen before. I'm not saying... I don't think he's like the fastest player I've ever seen, but... It was a unique play created by some serious legs. Um, and I really just dig his energy. He's just out there having a great time. I think that's what we need, though, is like a high-energy guy who's like hustling. Yeah, yeah I would love that. Yeah. To show Julio, it's like, hey, man, you're great. Maybe jump around a little more. Dale Cruz is out there getting a workout every time he's on the bases. We, we, 
we might need to have a Julio pod sometime soon, just because like obviously we have him signed. We think he's great. He's could easily turn this around, but yes. there is some some thought in that I have that he's you know got some got some lingering issues from like injuries and things like that. Sure, sure, um, and even like you know he does he's not he is not Zion Williamson. He stays in shape and he has a good attitude. Yeah, but could his attitude be better? Probably. He doesn't seem to be bringing a ton of energy to. Uh, I feel like he's been doing a lot of brand deals recently too. Yeah, focusing maybe a little too much on his Naruto theme cereal <laughs> than he needs to. Um, not that it isn't delicious. We did buy Julio's. Yeah. Well, how did we never do a Julio ad read? I think we did. Oh, did we? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um. Anyway. I think I would add De La Cruz. Who would you add if you could add any? If you could add any player that's not like a top five player in the MLB, you can't take Shohei or Judge. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the the profile, and then maybe we could talk about some some players that fit that profile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want a super high on base guy, like somebody who's hitting 290, maybe maybe upwards of 300, but those, those guys don't really exist. Um, but like a Jonathan India who is on the Reds and seem to be doing better than the Mariners at this point, but they don't seem to be close to going for the playoffs. And if the Mariners want to, to make a little run for the, for that third wild card spot, uh, they're going to need to get a bat and we may need to give up like a Brian Wu who's been really good or a Bryce Miller who's been amazing, but uh, it'd be so hard to give up Bryce, but if that's what it takes, okay, that is a good breakdown of, of what we're looking for. I have a guy in mind who's a tiny bit off what you're saying. He does get on base. He also brings a lot of power. It would also be nice to bring him to the team because it would be hurting one of the teams that we are desperate to jump. For that reason, it is incredibly unlikely that it would ever happen. The people of Seattle may also riot because many of them have a burning hatred of this man (laughs) due to his actions against us in the playoff last year. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Are you thinking of Jordan Alvarez? Bring Jordan Alvarez to <laughs> the Mariners. There's no way the Astros are trading Jordan Alvarez unless Why we not? give them George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, probably. 977 OPS, 589 slugging. Guy's having a great year. Yeah, he's 277 on the plate and he has 17 home runs. Yeah, he also just got an oblique strain, so he's out for a little bit. Yeah, which is let's... a great time for us to pounce on the Astros when we play them. That is true, and also maybe convince them to give us their best player, which you're right. That's probably not happening. Um, yeah, I God, you know what's... This is just me going on a little tangent right now, but have you seen Corbin Carroll? Do you know who Corbin Carroll is on the Diamondbacks? Yeah, I've heard of him. I have not watched much Diamondbacks this year. So, so he's from the Seattle area, um, which is kind of cool. My brother played baseball against him back in the day. Um, and he is... Super speedy, super high energy. The Diamondbacks are leading the NL West right now. Um, and he kind of brings that De La Cruz energy. And God, it just watching those kinds of guys makes me want to have just somebody who's just like purely a speed guy. That that would be that would be very nice. I feel like that, you know, Sam Haggerty was our was our guy last year who gave us that energy. And he just he didn't have it this year. Um and I think we're looking for that. Caballero's been good, but I don't, I don't think he's doing the same type of thing. Um, so all that is to say, we think the Mariners could could be adding, um, but this next month is definitely going to show us what we need to do. Absolutely. Yeah, another guy that I really like, speaking of the Cincinnati Reds, TJ Friedel. Friedel? Mm. Friedel? I think it's TJ Friedel. 
um, batting 308 through 50 games this year. That's pretty good. Yeah, 23 RBIs. He's a rookie. Wow. He's a lefty rookie batting 308. Three home runs, not a power guy. Um, but maybe that would be good in terms of lowering the asking price. Um, he is tearing it up right now on the Reds. Mm-hmm. 308, 23 RBIs through 50 games. So I really like him as well. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know I'd be so in on the Reds, I bet. I have a question for you. So would you trade any of our starting pitchers right now for a bat a bat i would trade any starting pitcher we have besides george kirby for tj Friedel. that's dude no you don't trade gilbert or miller for that you might trade brian Wu for a guy batting 308 his rookie year yeah no you it's don't not do a small sample size he's played every game yeah but it's still like we've been we've had uh, Gilbert for three years and he's been you know as steady as a number three starter can be you don't find number three starters that easily Bryce Miller's been great you don't want to trade him for somebody who's technically still more unproven than Bryce Miller I I don't think it's I get what you're saying about Gilbert I do not think it would be a stretch to trade a rookie pitcher who's been up and down for a rookie bat who has been rock solid 310 his rookie year, his first time against major league pitchers. I obviously they don't have tape on him. I was going to say you just you know you give him a year and his, he's going to be booty hole. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I our offense is in desperate need of somebody batting over two seventy, um, and I'm willing to do just about anything to get it. I also understand that pitchers tend to have more value than bats, which is why you think that sounds crazy. But I think that speaks more to the depth of our pitching and the depth of our need for bats. Um, I don't I don't think it's insane. I, I also think part of it is you don't know who TJ Fidel is all year's stats. So if you had been watching him all year, you might... Oh, yeah, have you been watching him all year? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. But I'm just saying, if he was a guy you were familiar with, I think he's having a way better year than De La Cruz. Yeah. He's batting like 20 points higher and is... Two more homes runs. Okay, here's a hot take for you. You value batting average a little too much. Oh, that's entirely possible. <laughs> and that might speak to the fact that you watch a lot more baseball than me. What? How? How? How do I value it too much? What should I value more? Uh, you, you. So I described to you what WRC plus was, and that shows you the average that that like you know that takes into account their power, their base running. Um, it's weighted runs created, and so absolutely. If you're you know. What what is his WRC plus? Can you pull that up? I'm looking right now. Uh, it might not be a stat that's on like ESPN. I was gonna say I'll just pull it up. All right. Um, but yeah, while John does that, let me just let me just get some takes off. Uh, listen, we're not trading Logan Gilbert for for you Mariners fans who have been thinking about that. Stop it. It's not gonna happen. Uh, Bryce Miller could be on the table, but that's for a. That would be for like an amazing, amazing asset that's going to help us immediately and assuredly. Um, and we would give him to a team that is not good and looking to contend in a few years. Um, so yeah, it would be it, it, it would be tough. The, the one guy I could see us dealing is Brian Wu, but he's really seemed to be figuring it out the last couple starts. Um, that first one was a bit shaky against the Rangers, but he's really got his command um, a little bit more fine-tuned he's not a big command guy he was a he was a reliever in college um which is crazy that the Mariners turned him into like a good starter but he's he's definitely been improving his command and I think that we want to stick with him because 
having him as our number five is amazing. That's true. And also, we don't really have a ready-to-go number five right now. Oh, that's true. You know I love our pitchers. You know I do. But I'm, I'm just scared of this offense. Okay, so I have these numbers for you, and I have them ready. But before I give them to you and, and blow your mind and, and make you apologize on air to everybody, um, I want some context. Uh, a league average WRC plus would be... 100. 100. Yep. And then a good player is... 115. 115. A great player is... You know, 130. An all-star is like a 130 to 140. Understood. Okay. And so, for reference, Jordan Alvarez this year has a WRC plus of 167. Yeah. Amazing hitter. Which is really high. Obviously, the guy's a stud. Yeah. Teoscar, in the month of June, last time I checked, had like a 210 WRC plus. Wow. So, yeah, just a good good (laughs) month. Um, But anyway, so a little context there. Thank you for that. That's good for the listeners, too. Uh, to provide an understanding of what a WRC plus is. So 130 to 140, all-star level, huh? TJ Friedel is a 136 WRC plus. He's second in the NL among center fielders. So Really? Oh, and he's a center fielder. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Huh. Any uh, Anything you want to say? No. <laughs> you, still, you still wouldn't trade Brandon Miller for him? No. That's a monstrous WRC plus. Dude, he's going to, like, that's the thing. Pitchers get adjusted to much more slowly because their sample size comes in less hitters you know in a month he might be tanking because pitchers have figured out what his weakness is but he's been playing for four months and he's still batting like a madman he's been playing for 50 games he started the season not on the team yeah yeah (laughs) oh all right all right i I won't argue with you. i would trade like an emerson hancock and a jonathan class a for him um, who are both prospects in the Mariners organization who are like pretty high up there. Um, but yeah, I, I can't trade Bryce Miller for him. All right, man. I'll tell you what. I literally I literally typed in TJ Friedel, WRC+, and Google, unprompted, responded. The top response is, TJ Friedel is a potential Reds all-star that no one is talking about. <laughs> That's unprompted. It's just giving me that information and then giving me his statistics. Um I, I like him a lot, and I'm saying that having watched a single that's, Cincinnati Reds game this year. Um, that's, but, a, that's a good little find for you, though. Like I, I'm impressed by that. Goddamn right, uh, your boy. Your boy knows his NL Central team. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that's probably enough on TJ Friedel. But get him, get get that boy. I want him. Um, anything else before we sign off, John? I think I think that's a good a good stretch. That's probably enough on the Mariners. Um, the series against the Yankees will hopefully get better. We only gave up three runs today. It was but, a quality start by George Kirby. Correct, but only scoring a single run is the kind of thing that having a guy like T.J. Friedel would probably fix. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the we also faced Garrett Cole. Like correct, tough game, tough game. <laughs> correct. Um, but yeah, looking to turn it around. Here, here we come up up against the Yankees and uh, who did you say we play after that? It's Yankees and then uh, the Orioles. Orioles, yeah, uh, that's a, that'll be a, a big series. As tough well. stretch, yeah. But we're looking forward to it. Going to definitely stay focused. We've got Hoop Fest upcoming this weekend, and John's not playing, but I'm going to ball out and I will be exhausted yeah, they and don't ready let, to pod next week. They don't week. let champs play. You know? Once you <laughs> have your trophy, they don't let you return. So, um, but. Hoop Fest is a, a nice little Washington Washington based event. That's right. We'll have it's to like, we'll have to talk a little Hoop Fest. That's yeah. a good call. You'll yeah. you'll be our, our boots on the ground. That, <laughs> that's that's gonna be my first time playing in Hoop Fest, so I can give you kind of a rundown of how it was and 
we'll for, have to do for a new inductee. We'll have to do a live podcast. You'll have to have to come in live from Hoopfest, like a war like, correspondent <laughs> from Syria. I'll have my my brother walk up with a microphone and be like, "Hey." How do you feel about Hoopfest right now? And it's just like mid-game. You're like, I am exhausted. It's 95 degrees. I'm playing on asphalt. What's going on? It is absolute pandemonium <laughs> here in Spokane. <laughs> Temperatures have ridden to an unsustainable level. <laughs> um, but anyways, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, you can find me at tycart50, anywhere you would you would think to look. Um, also, email us your questions if you have any at soundupseattle at gmail.com. Uh, John will be returning to work next week, so he's going to be super busy, and uh, it's going to be tough to, to wrangle him down, but we're going to pod next week. It's going to be great. Darn tootin'. Uh, with that, hey. Go M's. This is going to be a tough stretch. Go M's. Go M's and go squids. And go Sonics very soon. <laughs>